Now, it might come as a surprise to know, but um, there was a time when I wasn't the storyteller. And this is the story of how I became a storyteller. Now, I was born on a farm called Valdegar in the parish of Tankerness in the East Mainland of Orkney. And I am reliably informed by a place name expert from Iceland that it means, Valdegar means, the farm of Valdis. Valdis was the Viking that used to farm where I was born, who broke out the land more than a thousand years ago. Well, I was brought up on the farm, and it was kind of decided that I was going to stay on the farm and, and work it, and that seemed fine to me. And uh, being dyslexic, I and it, in those days, 60s, 70s, um, it had never been discovered. So what they used to do was beat the crap out of you. And I got a lot of that. And, you know, there was so much bullying and insults. And I thought, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to come to school to get that. I can stay at home again. So I decided that I was going to leave. And I left school at 14. Now, that wasn't very legal, but, you know, who's counting? So I worked away there, but, you know, <clears throat> farming wasn't for me. And I decided to run away and join the circus. But sadly, there was no circuses around, so I joined an archaeological dig instead. And I worked as an archaeologist, and I loved that job. But then that came to an end, and I had to find some other kind of employment. It was at a time that they referred to as the recession. You know, recession, depression, austerity. It's amazing how many names rich people can find to basically screw the poor. But anyway, I decided to take a leap and to move away from Orkney. And that is not a decision that an islander takes lightly. But I went over to Caithness, and I turned right, and I headed along the coast, and I went to Sutherland. And I was looking for a place to work there. Now, when I got down to the area near Tongue, I found a farm, and the farmer was needing somebody to work on the farm, in the hay. So I said, well, I can do that. Plenty of experience. So I did. Worked on the farm, and everything went really well. He had a bothy that farm workers could stay in. It was just a little cottage near to the farmhouse, and I lived in that with some of the other lads. Now, after the hay was in, farmer said, "You know, you did a good job there, Tom. Would you like to uh, Would you like to stay on and work in the harvest?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I can do all that stuff as well." So the time passed, and I worked in the harvest, and they got it all in. And then they had a party. It was great. There was plenty of whiskey and there was reed cans export. And oh, it was great. And I was sitting there puffing away on a fag because I used to smoke in those days. Drinking beer and whiskey and it was great. Now, there is an old saying 
among the Scottish travellers, which goes, um, tell a story, sing a song, show your bum or out your gang, which just means you have to do something to entertain them. And the farmer said, right, Tom, what are you going to do to entertain us? Tell us a story. Well, I, I don't know any stories, I said. Well, you must know a song. Can't sing. Uh, court order, not allowed to, you know. You've, mm, you don't want to hear that. Well, he says, you don't have a story, you can't sing. Well, you know what? And I said, well, I'm not showing my bum. And he went, no, we don't want to see that anyway. But I think that you should, uh, you're going to have to do a forfeit. Oh, here we go, I thought. Okay, what is it? Well, you know me old boat down at the shore? Uh-huh. Well, in the boat, there's a baler. You know, a scoop for scooping out water that's come in. I want you to go down and bring it back. And? No, that's it. I just want to use it tomorrow for the uh, measuring out some feed for the cattle. That's it. Mm-hmm. Go down to your boat and get the baler. Yeah? You think you can manage that? Well, of course, but... Wait a minute. There's nothing funny going to happen after this, is it? There's no no part of it that's going to be inserted in any part of me or anything. Oh, nothing like that, he says. Just want you to get the bailer. Oh, well. All right, then. So, Duna went. Well, it was dark. And I said, I need something to light the way. And he goes, oh, here you go. Take this with you. And he gave me one of those old-fashioned storm lanterns, you know, paraffin lamp. I said... You know, this is the early 80s. You know, this isn't the bloody Waltons. And they said, ah, away you go with it. So off I went with his lantern anyway, and sure enough, it did put out quite a bit of light. And I got down to the shore. There was the boat. And I set the lantern down. And I climbed into the boat. And there, in the stern of the boat, was the bailer. So I reached down to get it, when suddenly, whoosh, my feet slipped from underneath me, and bang! Down I went and banged my head on the bottom of the boat. Now, the next thing that I knew, I woke up, and the boat was rocking. And I thought, ah, oh, here we go. And I knew what had happened. I'd been lying in the stern of the boat, and the tide had been coming in. And the weight of me in the back of the boat just meant that the boat had slid down into the sea, and it hadn't been secured properly, and it had drifted off. Well, I thought, it's got oars now, I'll, I'll just roll back. So I got the oars up and I put the one in the one rollock and the other one in the other rollock and I tried to row, but you know, I found that I didn't have the strength that I used to have. I was as weak as a kitten. Must have been the bang on the head, I thought. So, well, I wasn't making much of that anyway. So I decided, well, I'll have a smoke. So I put my hand in my jacket pocket. I had a breast pocket on old denim jacket. And I kept my tobacco in there, because I used to roll my own cigarettes. So I knew I had a, an ounce of Samson in there. So I put my hand in, and I felt something. Something that I didn't recognize, because on my chest there was a lump, a large lump, a large soft lump. And then I felt 
on the other side, and there was another one. And I looked down, and I had a pair of breasts. And also, instead of wearing an old denim jacket, I was wearing a, a nice white frilly blouse. And then I looked down, and instead of wearing an old pair of blue jeans and a pair of boots, I was wearing a black skirt and a pair of very nice little little shoes. And then I thought, wait a minute. So I had a wee check, you know, south of the border. And what I used to keep there wasn't there anymore, but it had been replaced with something else. And it dawned on me, I thought, oh my God, I'm a woman. And I burst into tears. I didn't know what to do. Well, after sobbing for a bit, I thought, okay, right, think this through now. I must get ashore somehow. Now, I can't row this boat myself, but I'll row a bit on one oar and then I'll row a bit on the other oar. So that's what I did. I kind of zigzagged my way. And eventually it was getting to be light. The dawn was breaking and I could see land in front of me. So very carefully and determinedly I zigzagged my way there, rowing on the one oar and rowing on the other until I reached the shore. Now there was a man on the shore there. I'd seen him standing up on the high ground and he'd come down to the shore and he grabbed the boat and pulled it up onto the beach. And he said, hello, who are you? And I thought, it's a bloody good question, that. And I said, um, my name's Thomasina. Oh, right, okay. He said, well, wh where do you come from? Uh, well, I was on a, a, a ship, and it, it kind of sank, and uh, I was able to get in this boat and, and, uh, and row away. Oh, you poor thing, he said. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, you must be terrified, and you must be frozen, and all. You, you come back to my house, he says. Your family will be worried about you. They'll be looking for you. You know, they'll be really worried. I thought, they would be very worried if they could see me now. But anyway, I took his invitation, and I went up to the house where he lived. And I went in through the door there, and he had a mirror in the lobby. Well, it was the first time I'd seen myself, you know, in my new guise. And I looked in the mirror, and, well, I don't want to boast, you know, folks, but I was hot. I was gorgeous. I was smoking. And I thought, nice one. And there I was. I still had the brown hair, but it was long and wavy now. And I still had the, the brown eyes that I've always had. Uh, but the rest of me, oh, nothing like but, wow, smoking. So I went through, very happy with myself, and had some breakfast. Now, I stayed living with this guy. His name was Andrew, and he was so sweet and so kind. And he did everything for me. He was an absolute gentleman couldn't fault him at all. And, of course, time passed, and no family came looking for me, obviously. And, well, you know, I mean, poor man, you know, he was only human. Of course he was going to fall for me. I mean, who wouldn't have? 
And one day he went down on one knee and he said, Thomasina, would you make me the happiest man in the world? And would you be my wife? And I said, all right, fine head. Well, what the hell else could I do? I mean, there I was, stuck in a strange place, in the wrong gender. You know, I mean, what was I going to do? So, I married him. Oh, I'll tell you, ladies, the, my wedding dress was gorgeous. I didn't go for that big meringue things that they were doing in the 80s, you know. It wasn't a lady die effort. Um, it was just a really simple but elegant silk dress, very kind of tight and long, long ankle-length dress, but really, really kind of smart, you know, really stylish. And at the wedding, well, it was funny because folk remarked that they'd never seen a bride drink so much whiskey on their wedding night before. And uh, we had a great old time. And then, you know, time passed, and there was the day that I started getting the cravings for eating fire lighters, and I thought, that's strange, never had actually any urges to eat fire lighters before. And I started getting sick in the morning as well, and then I realised I was pregnant. Well, so, anyway, the time came, and I gave birth to a little boy, and we called him Andrew after my dear husband. And he was the apple of his father's eye, and mine as well, lovely, lovely wee boy. And time passed, and the cravings for the firelighters came back, and so did the being sick in the morning, and I had another wee boy. And this time we called him John, after my dad. Now, Time was passing, and, you know, we were really happy together. We were a lovely little family. Now, one day, one fateful day, I was out walking with Andrew, not that far from the farm, and it was middle of summer, and there was a sudden downpour of rain. I mean, just one of those, one of those summer cloudbursts. And, um... I'm getting about a competition from the ferry outside, but anyway, never mind. So, it was a beautiful day, hot summer's day, but there was a sudden thundery storm, and the heavens opened, and the rain came down in torrents. Well, we ran and sheltered under a tree, but Andrew, being the kind and gentleman that he was, he said, you wait here, darling, and I'll run up to the house, and I'll fetch you your coat. And he did, bless him, sweetheart. He ran up to the house. And I was sheltering under that tree. And then I noticed, down by the shore, there was that bloody boat, that damn thing that took me here, that caused all the trouble. And then I thought to myself, and I don't know why I thought it, but I thought to myself, I wonder if that bailer is still in the boat. Now, it had stopped raining so much, so I went down to the boat and had a look. And there, in the stern of the boat, was the bailer lying there, all innocent-like. And I thought, you little shit, you caused me so much trouble. And I got into the boat, and I reached out to pick up the bailer when my foot slipped and Bang! Banged my head on the bottom of the boat. Now, the next thing I knew, 
I could feel the sea rolling again, and it was dark, and I thought, oh, here we go again. So I put the oars in the rollocks, and I managed to get the boat turned around, and I started to row, and it was then I noticed that I was actually rowing quite strongly. And then I noticed something else. It was a smell. It smelt like stale tobacco and whiskey and stale B.O. and sheep dip. And I realised that the smell was actually coming from me. And I looked down and there was my old denim jacket and blue jeans and boots and I realised I was a man again and I burst into tears again because I was away from my husband and my children and I loved my bairns and yet here I was back in a boat and I don't know what had happened to them now, in the distance, I could see a small glimmer of light, so I rowed towards it. And I pulled the boat up onto the beach, and I picked up that baler, and I went ashore. And there, sitting on the ground, was the lantern that I had left on the shore, that paraffin storm lantern. Now, I was confused. I didn't know what was happening, but I picked up the lantern and I could see there was the house that I had been in before, the bothy. And there was lights in the window, and there was the sound of laughter and music coming from inside, like a party going on. So I headed towards the door, and I walked in, and there were all the same people that had been there when I left, all sitting in exactly the same place, all laughing away and chatting and playing music and drinking cans and whiskey. And the farmer was sitting there, and he smiled at me, and he says, Ah, you're back, Tom. Did you get the baler? So I handed the baler to him, and I sat down. And I said, I'm sorry I've been away for so long. Oh, he's not been away for that long, he said. Well, I must have been. I mean, I'd been away for years. And he said, No, look at the clock. It's just five past midnight. You left at midnight, or just before midnight. So you've only been away for maybe seven minutes. Well, then I realised that all of this must have happened in a very short period of time. But to me it was so real. It was years of my life. And I couldn't understand it. And as I sat there I noticed that the farmer was staring at me. And there was a strange smile on his face. And he leaned forward to me and he said... Well, Tom, if anybody asks you again in the future if you've got a story to tell, you will have now, won't you? And that's how it happened.